You know what? This is one of the most difficult things when you're the fan of a team is having to say goodbye to somebody who meant so much to you, who contributed so much to your team during their tenure as a Chicago Bear. So again, you know, that's that football's a, a cruel business. So it is with a, a heavy heart that we have to say goodbye to one of the greatest bears of all time, Michael Badgley. Uh, it's it's difficult to say goodbye to him because he scored every single point for the Chicago Bears on Sunday that we picked up off the street. I think that's the dream of anybody. You're walking down the street, you get a call like, hey, we need you to play this weekend. You go out, you play, you score every point. That's exactly what Michael Badgley did. He had at least four field goals in every Bears game he ever played. That's that's a record that's probably never going to be beat. But you know what? Enough with the enough with the pleasantries. We're gonna. This is going to be a tough show. I can already tell you, because people on Twitter and Instagram and all those places they're upset, Sammy. So why don't we just go ahead and start the show? Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields. Touchdown. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. We'll be breaking down the Bears' most recent game against the New York Giants. Did not go as we wanted it to, but we have to look forward also to Week 5 of the Minnesota Vikings as we go on the road for the second consecutive week. And joining us tonight, as always, our co-host from every Chicago podcast, every everything. She does everything. Carmen Vitale, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm probably better than a lot of the bears that we saw, uh, you know, this this last weekend. I'm although Michael Badgley, I was happy to see that he is now going to be to fill in for the Detroit Lions. He already went to the Lions. He already went to the Lions. He got picked up by the Lions because Seabird is hurt. So he's just he's just making his way around the NFC North, which is fine. I hope I hope he misses a bunch of kicks just to be loyal to us. It's tough to see. You know, one of your favorites in another team's jersey, especially one of your rivals. Like, that's that's so rude. Like, how does he do that? Like, how could you go, like, how could you spend so much time with the Bears and then go on and put on the Honolulu Blue? I could never do it. I don't know how he's going to be able to do it. Uh, Kyrus Tonga is also a Minnesota Viking now. That is funny enough. That is terrible. I had such high hopes for him. And it wasn't a shock that he, and it wasn't a shock that he went to Atlanta because, of course, Ryan Pace is down there. What is what is his deal? Why does he keep getting bounced around now? I'm not quite sure. I didn't. I mean, I didn't watch him much in Atlanta to see what he did, but apparently, you know, it wasn't much. But it's interesting though because the Bears, uh, right before the season, got Armin Watts from Minnesota off waivers, and now Kyrus Tonga is in Minnesota. So it's almost like they just kind of swapped defensive tackles. All right. Well, that's fair. Yeah, because I saw that they were talking. I think about the Bears Tonga. came out on the better end of that, I guess. But we'll see. If you could not make the defensive roster for the Atlanta Falcons, then maybe maybe you feel a little bit less. Like, I do that. Like, I will see what Tonga's doing. I keep an eye on what's going on with Thomas Graham and Cleveland. Just want to know, because you never want to make the bad move. You know, you never want to release somebody and have them go somewhere and crush it, which is what I feel like Michael Badgley's going to do, is uh, he'll end up kicking five field goals this week because the Lions are a lot of fun. The Lions and, don't even need field goals, though. They yeah, just need extra even, points because they score a bunch of touchdowns. Yeah, that's all they do is score touchdowns. Well, that's the thing. Like, what do you – now, obviously, every Bears fan is upset. The The PFF is already mock drafting us a quarterback, which is some of the – I'm not ready for this. No. I'm, I don't want to hear any of this. But quite honestly, like, which position would you rather be in? Would you rather be the Bears, that you're 2-2, two and two, drop the game that perhaps you could have won or would you rather be the lions where you're never going to win anything, but at least you're fun in scoring points. Uh, which, which fan base should feel better about their team right now? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure because 
I don't know, like for my offense to do all of that work, missing the top three skill players, by the way, yeah. Jared Goff put up those numbers over 500 yards without Amon Ross St. Brown, without DeAndre Swift. He didn't even have DJ Chark. Um, but like their defense, just every single time, like they pulled within three points of Seattle and just like couldn't, they couldn't get there. And like, cause the defense just couldn't get a stop. And I'm like, I honestly think that's probably more frustrating because you're so close. You're averaging the most points in the league, but like your defense is giving up 0.3 points more per game than your offense is like, it's, it's outrageous. It's absolutely insane. So like the bears have a lot to look forward to. I don't know how you fix that Detroit lions defense. That's, you know what? I, that, I agree. I know, but it, it feels like if you spend any time on bears, Twitter, Everybody would rather be in the Lions situation, which ironically is what the Bears were in. What year was it when when I think it was Tressman's first year? Where like oh, that's yeah. what every game was like. Like, yeah. oh, remember, remember giving up 45 to the Eagles who had nothing to play for? And we wouldn't have even had to have beaten Green Bay if we had just been able to take care of the Eagles, who had nothing to play for, but we go out there, allow 90 points, and so. I don't know. I don't I think, think I, I think I blocked that. I blocked out the entire Mark Dressman experiment. You should have. Yeah. And that's the whole thing too. It's like, I, I understand that people are upset and people want to see instant results now. And if you know, Justin well, Fields okay. should. This is my thing though. What did we expect? I thought we were going into the season under the understanding of like, this isn't going to look great at first. Yeah. It's not. There's no way it can. Like, you've got an entirely new regime. You've got a crazy roster turnover. Your roster itself is young as all whatever, get out. Like, your your quarterback is learning this third system in three years. What did you think was going to happen? Like, we all thought – I thought we all came to the understanding before the season, like, we just want to see progress. We just want to see that, like, there's a plan. There's a plan. It's not working right now, but it's the first four games of the season. Like – I don't know. I think we all kind of after that first, maybe the first win or the first game where they beat the 49ers was maybe the worst thing that could have happened to the Bears. Because like it got people's hopes up of like, oh, maybe they can win nine or ten games this season. That was not part of the plan. That's not that was not that was not an expectation outside of maybe you, Adam. I don't know. That was my plan. That was my expectation. But like it's not realistic and we need to stop like with this instant gratification stuff like it's it's not yeah it's completely discombobulated it's totally disjointed nothing is really working but there are bright spots here and there and there i feel like they are increasing the bright spots totally. but like at a slow pace which is fine like totally. that's why i'm like bears fan i'm just like this isn't a good football team right now it's not but that's okay and I thought that we like as a collective we're like okay we're going to we're going to be patient. Where did that patience go? Oh, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> and you know, I'm I, again, I'm one of those people who said nine wins. I am disappointed <laughs> that the Bears are not 3 and 1 because I thought that game was winnable and it it has nothing to do with Getsy. It has nothing to do with Justin Fields. I will point out that if say two of those drives end up in touchdowns. He he, he Justin Fields led the Bears on four scoring drives. Now, if he had turned two of those into touchdowns to where you have 20 points, three of those into touchdowns where it's in 24 points, or the ultimate where he goes four for four touchdowns, then these games look different. My biggest level of disappointment is with Allen Williams and the defense of like, and this is only goes in the first half of like, why can you not make a, a situational like adjustment right there in the moment? Like they go yeah, into halftime true. and I know, and people keep overlooking this. I forget what the number was. They've given up a very few points in the second half and really didn't give up any points of the giants in the second half either. They yeah. allowed three in the second half to the, to the 49ers. The giants didn't have a quarterback in the second half, but that's okay. That's because our defense was so good. We beat them up. <laughs> it's true. But it's, it's well, cause they made them pay for it. I mean, they eventually got to him and said like, this is not going to happen. But if early in the game, if you're like, yeah, don't don't let Daniel Jones spin out of these. Like, why can't some, like why oh, the bootlegs he... were outright like it was just bootleg after bootleg. Like they were running the, the the two running touchdowns that Daniel Jones had were the exact same play. Like literally the exact same literally play. Literally the right, exact 100 percent You're right that 
this defense and Allen Williams, I don't know who it is, but like they can't make adjustments on the fly. I feel like yeah. it has happened where they go into halftime. They're like, okay, this sucks. This sucks. This sucks. Let's do this, this, this. And then they get their heads on straight. But then with, you know, if they're already behind, it doesn't work very well because this offense is still figuring things out and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, they started making Daniel Jones, like they played, like played the run on him. Like they played the boot. Yeah. So like, they went straight after him. You saw, I just think Jaquan Brisker got to him a couple of times, got a big hit on him. Um, and then eventually, yeah, like knocked him out of the game. Uh, and then you knocked Tyron Taylor out of the game. And then you have Saquon Barkley. Um, that was also You're kind of demoralizing cat. though, is like they're running a wildcat offense. And I'm like, I know that teams and defenses aren't necessarily built to defend that right off the bat. Like you probably didn't have any plays in your game plan. I think that's what people probably forget is like, you have a set number of plays you've installed for that week. I yeah. don't think any of those plays included like Wildcat or maybe they, oh. it was like one or two because you thought maybe Saquon would do that just as a trick play from Brian Dable. But like you weren't really necessarily prepared to face a Wildcat offense, but it was still kind of demoralizing because you're like, Saquon has the ball. Like, yeah. you know, he's going to have the ball. Just go after oh. Saquon. But like, it's not that simple. And I understand it's not that simple. It was just... Yeah, I think that that's the biggest uh, frustration right now. I wouldn't say, like, yes, the offense is frustrating too, but I, I was expecting that, I guess. I was, ex yeah. I was expecting the offensive side of it. And it was uh, there was two plays that I look back at. It's when they had trapped Saquon Barkley back. He slips out of a tackle deep yeah. in, the, in the backfield. You make that play. Yeah. The game's a little Nicholas bit Morrow? different. Yeah. Morrow needs to finish he that missed tackle. it. Yeah, you gotta. Yeah. I, it, but you know, at the same he time, it's all, it. It, it is Saquon Barkley as well. So like, right. a lot of these bootlegs don't work if Michael, if if Matt Breida is the running back. Like, they probably aren't biting as hard on the run if it's somebody else. So let's give credit to Saquon Barkley. As long as he's available for the Giants, that's going to be difficult to defend. And then not 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 attacking the fumble after uh, Justin Fields fumbled and you just kind of like, that, ah, that was like, even, I don't care if you think it's a pass or not jump on the football. Right. Just and we case. saw it last night in the Monday night game too. So it, the, the Super Bowl champs are not immune to it as well. So I think jump. that's drilled into the heads of like defensive players more than it is yes. offensive players. So like, I don't, I mean, I, I have to imagine that Eberflus was not happy with his team and that oh, was no. like a giant overarching mental error. Uh, that are loaf as they call them in Chicago. Um, I'm sure that like the entire offense had to atone for that. But yeah, I mean, defense defensive players are like if there's a, if there's a ball on the ground, they're very much taught go after it as soon as possible. Offensive players, perhaps not. They're just not really looking for that kind of stuff. But let's, it did seem a little. They were a little like apathetic about the whole thing. I was like, let's start looking after that. Let's start making that a big deal and uh, jumping on any loose ball. That, whether you think it's a fumble or not, if you don't hear a whistle, make sure you're jumping on it. I think it's fair to have criticisms on that. And I think it's, you know, as we sit here and clear the air on this Bears loss, I should point out that an air, pura, air purifier uh, removes tobacco smoke, odors, VOCs, mold, uh, wildfire smoke we have here in, in Southern California, chemicals, viruses. The kids are back in school. They're bringing back all sorts of viruses, including COVID. Um so it's important that you protect your family by getting an air purifier uh, from, and I got mine from Air Pura, and it's been a wonderful addition to our house. It's silent. It sits there. I'm an R2-D2 guy. Like, I love the droids from the Star Wars films. It just sits there like a little, like a little R2 unit, and we love having it there, and it helps keep our family safe. And if you want an Air Pura air purifier, uh, use the code 67 for 7% off your order and I think your family will thank you for it. I just, just, just randomly throwing it out there. But I, yeah. So I'm upset, but I think I'm upset for different reasons than ever. Because Bears Twitter just wants to be upset. And I'm, I'm very hesitant to get into it. Because like anybody, and by the way, I don't understand why Getsy is all of a sudden, I thought that Getsy is dialing up some pretty good plays. I just think that if you're center and a lot of your offensive linemen are getting beat, they like, what do you want him to do? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. What What do you think of the offensive line play so far? Well, it's it's interesting because the run blocking, they're doing fine. And then you saw Cody Whitehair go out. He's apparently going to be out for a little while now. Lucas Patrick filled in for him. And so now you have, which like, 
I don't know if that could still change. I, I think going forward, what uh, Iberflu said going forward for right now, Patrick was going to stay there. Mustfer at center, Tevin Jenkins at right guard. But I don't know if that completely negates the possibility of Lucas Patrick going back to center and then maybe having Sam Mustfer at guard. Um, I would put like your most experienced, your best player who can snap the ball like at center. Like I still think that Lucas Patrick should be at center, but they're not doing poorly in run blocking. Like they are no. still blocking for you know some amazing performances. Obviously, David Montgomery was out of this last game. And I think you saw Khalil Herbert. Like everyone's like, oh, don't sleep on Khalil Herbert. I'm not sleeping on Khalil Herbert, but the, the fact of the matter is when it's now one featured back versus two, you're gonna have a lot more attention on him. He's not going to be able to kind of let things rip. Like you can't run that 21 personnel as effective, even though they tried with Tristan Ebner. It just doesn't work as well because you don't have the threat of David Montgomery in there too. So like, I I think that I think that that Khalil Herbert did well. Um, I think that there, Justin Fields didn't particularly trust him uh, to pass to block for him um, yeah. in class pass blocking on third down stuff like that. There was one play I think it was in the third quarter where Justin had a lot of time. He had the pocket. Honestly, he had time, uh, and he threw the ball away despite the fact that Khalil Herbert was there too to kind of reinforce whatever was going on with the offensive line. Like, Justin just wasn't – he didn't trust any of it. At, like, right off the bat, he immediately threw it away. And I – that was – that told me that he doesn't necessarily trust Khalil Herbert's pass-blocking abilities, which is fine. He doesn't trust the Lions pass-blocking, you know, abilities because they're not holding up. Um, but at the same time, Justin is kind of a hard quarterback to block for at, yeah. at this stage of the game because he's still taking time, much more time than I'm sure he would like to process. He's got the second slowest release in, in the league, uh, right behind Daniel Jones, actually. Um, and he like he's just taking a lot more time. So that puts the stress on the offensive line to have to hold for a lot longer. And that's why you're seeing these poor pass blocking numbers, just because not to mention, too, like Fields can kind of. He does. He scrambles around. He like the pocket moves with him when he does that. And it's hard because these guys have his, have their backs to him. So what do you like? You can't necessarily have eyes in the back of your head where you know that your yeah. quarterback is trying to shuffle around the pocket and know where he's about to go. Justin isn't confident enough to be the one to step up when he's facing pressure and kind of like make sure that he's got that little that nice little, you know, step up pocket uh, that offensive lines can do. But I just it's it, it makes sense why it's not working. Uh, and the shuffling around of the offensive line can't help either because they just don't have the chemistry or they just don't know Justin Fields like that yet. And this offense in general, because this offense doesn't have an identity either. You don't know, you know, you're not used to exactly like how the run splits and all that kind of stuff, like how much you're trying to pass the ball and, and you know, what plays the options are, to, you know, to check down this, that, like, I don't know. It's just, it's very disjointed and I don't, it's fine. The run game seems to be the most solid when David Montgomery is in there, but it's 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 not great. It's almost like they're learning a new offense. It's almost like I, they're learning a new which, offense. Which That's is surprising because Justin is a 10-year veteran. Uh, who's been with Getz. Oh, wait, no, that's not the case. He's barely played over 10 games. And I think that everybody just needs to to take a take a moment. What you should do right now is just comment the word sick. Just sit there wherever you're watching us. Comment. If you're on YouTube or Facebook, comment sick. If you're listening to us as an audio podcast, make sure that you rate and review the podcast. Five stars would be, you know, very appreciated. If you could also comment on it, leave a little leave a little comment of sick on that as well. We would appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate everybody being here on a Tuesday night. Uh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to wait in. But Sammy, what do we got questions? Why do we are people asking questions? I can't imagine they are. Uh, do you think John Laurie wants to know? Do you think that play calling? Do you think play calling is one of the problems? I, you know what? I, I will say this. I'll, I'll jump in here first, Carmen. Please is sir. if you watch the Monday Night Football game between Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, for as much as people love them, for as much as people talk about these great genius and they're great coaches, they're also very conservative. They want to run the ball a lot too. And if you look at the, the play that Debo made, like that's a five, that's a quick hitch that Debo, take, Debo takes up the field. Matt Stafford won't look at anybody outside of Cooper Cup. There's a lot of things going on that are masked by great players. The Bears don't have a great player that'll overcome some of the, you know, 
the conservative play calling or anything like that. So for me, I don't put any blame on Luke Getze. I'm, I'm saying that he, like, listen, he's a first-time play caller. He's going to get better. I, in no way, think that he's the problem. Uh, what's your read on him? Um, so I, I brought this up, I think, last week ahead of the Giants um, because I worry, and I've alluded to it before, this offense is very – it's complex. Um, mm. The concepts are pretty basic, but there's a lot of window dressing that – players have to be aware of. So, you know, the motions and all of the different like the audibles and checks and all of the different shifts and things that they can do based on what they're seeing from the defense. That is what is required of offenses these days because now defense is audible too. So you have to have all of that built in. That being said, that's a lot for every single person on the offense to know. It's not just Justin Fields that has to know these things. The line has to know it. The running backs have to know it. The receivers who have to block have to know, like either block or release into routes. Same with the tight ends. They all have to know these things. And I just worry a little bit that this was too much too soon for Justin, because I want you to be able to build up his confidence in addition to your young skill players with maybe some of those more high completion rate throws or something that's a little bit more, I don't want to say the word dumbed down, but just a little bit more basic. And then you start to expand once he's got, you know, the very basic concepts that are very simple to run, then you start adding on and then you start adding on. And that I think does come though, with being a first time play caller, a first time coordinator, you don't know necessarily the pace in which to install the offense. I mean, Luke Getze is coming from a place where he was working with a quarterback that's been in the league for 18 years. So you can, the, the rate in which you can teach Aaron Rodgers things or the rate in which he can pick up a scheme is very much different than it is for Justin Fields. And so I just feel like that's where my concern is right now. I feel like you kind of just threw everything at him, threw him to the wolves, and it was a baptism by fire, which sometimes works. But I think we're seeing that maybe that wasn't the, necessarily the right approach, and maybe we should ease him in a little bit more. So what that's- would your suggestion? Should we run more? I mean, is that is that the alternative? or what? I mean, you- you're running a lot. Already, yeah. I I just think that in general, because again, this offense has the concepts itself are very basic from how it's been explained to me. There's just a lot of window dressing. So like just cut back on the window dressing. Is that going to make you a little bit more transparent to defenses? Probably. But at least you're going to get the fundamentals down. You're going to get the concepts down. You're going to inherently have like muscle memory when it comes to certain things. And then you can start adding on more of like the, again, the window dressing, the little finesse parts of this offense that, again, like if you're trying to think about, all right, I've got an option route on, you know, two and three over here. Um, I've got, you know, I, I've got, I can check down to my back who's coming out of the backfield is going to chip this guy if he sees the, this defensive end crashing down. Like all of that stuff happens within a split second. And when you know an offense, you can do it. But if you're still getting to know it, I just feel like, all right, maybe we like take away some of the options and it's just, there's straight routes. Maybe it it takes probably a little bit more coaching, honestly, to, you know, figure out the looks and the stuff that you want and the concepts that you want because you're not going to disguise it right off the bat. Um, But yeah, I just, I think that there's a way to ease him into this offense more because again, it's complicated. No, and it's going to take some time. And I think a lot of us, especially people who play fantasy football, might have been a little bit overzealous. Oh, and I'm here to remind you, Underdog Fantasy is the easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's simple to get started. Just head to underdogfantasy.com if you're one of those people who love to do the desktop. Or you can download the app, sign up with the promo code SICK, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100, which is a great deal. If you're sitting there, if you drafted Kyle Pitts in the third round, and now you're upset about your other other leagues? Well, go to Underdog Fantasy right now. Download the app. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Sign up using the promo code SICK. Get back into the game. Don't sit on the sidelines, and uh, you can get, get started. I know some Bears fans would love to get started over again. But it, also, we're 2-2 two and two with a, a winnable game against the Vikings to pull everybody back. That's why I, I don't know. why I don't know why. I don't think dumbfounded is the correct way to put it, but it's surprising how quickly the world has turned. Uh, how about another question, though, Sammy? 
Will, oh, Laz wants to know, will these offensive line problems start to create long-term problems with fields? He's looking at the rush instead of identifying open targets. What do you think, Carmen? I mean, that I think that's a concern because you're you haven't you don't have that inherent trust. And that trust is built up, you know, over a period of time of the offensive line, you know, giving you a pocket and all the other stuff. But yeah, if you're and I think this is all probably too like I know we compared uh, Bears quarterbacks or girlfriends last week yeah. with Dion. But it is like it's it's like Justin Fields is coming in with some emotional baggage to this offense. And he wasn't able to trust his protection last year. And he's never been able to do that. Even in at Ohio State, it was, I mean, like they had a good line at the same time. He was also expected to make things happen with his legs all the time. So he is kind of used to putting it all on himself. And he has to be able to unlearn that, but he can't unlearn that until the line is reliable enough to let him. And the further in he gets to this, I think the harder it's going to be to unlearn it. So I, that's a concern for me, I think. Yeah, I think any quarterback who's out there taking way too many hits, it's going to be a detriment because you're going to be a little bit jumpy. You're going to, you're going to start feeling pressure that you don't think is there. We remember... There was a quarterback who famously a couple of years ago talked about seeing ghosts out there. You definitely don't want that situation to happen with Justin Fields. But at the same time, I, I think that he's he's doing a pretty good job. And I know that there were some breakdowns where people were, you know, this is a thing. Like, I don't know if the NFL was doing anybody any favors by giving everybody access to the All-22s, where people are like, well, this guy was wide open. Don't say that because I'm already, I'm already pissed off that <laughs> – game pass is still terrible but it's fine keep going no but it's true like it is like everybody's got to have like pulling up things like why doesn't he see this person it's it's a little bit different and i think that trent dilfer did a very nice job of breaking it down this week talking about one of the things that they're just talking about the things that justin should be seeing what he's not seeing i think one of those things that you talked about about how complicated this offense is that Justin gets blamed if Darnell Mooney is not in the right spot. People are like, well, how come he didn't find Darnell Mooney? Like, well, Darnell Mooney should have been here, but he was there. And Justin's got to look at other spots, and he doesn't know where, you know, he's, he doesn't want to get baited by the safety. And again, Trent Dilfer, much more eloquent than I am discussing this. You can go to my Twitter timeline. Ill Will had it on his Twitter timeline. So you can go check it out there. But Trent Dilfer, you can just, just, just Google. Google Trent Dilfer. He does a great job of breaking down what he's seeing from Justin Fields. And he's been way more positive than a lot of people in the national media. And so I just like, well, if, if, if it's good enough for Trent Delfer, I'm not going to sit here and trip out about it. I mean, ideally, you don't want your quarterback getting beaten up. It is going to be something that will stick with him. But at the same time, he's a resilient player that's just learning some things. And he's going through it right now. And that's what's, that's what's happening. So, yes, to answer your question, yes. But I don't think that it's so dire right now that we need to be overly concerned, but certainly not something that you want to have happen. Like when my daughter, if my daughter doesn't say please enough, you know, I feel like that's a correctable mistake that I will work on with her. But, you know, you don't want that to go for months. You want to nip that in the bud after yeah. like, you know, a couple of times, you know, in any event, Sammy, do we have another question? Aaron, gosh, oh. dang it. Can you pull them out? Okay. You know what? Shohei Otani is still the MVP. You all know this. Don't let the New York media gaslight you into this. Shohei Otani is a top four hitter and a top four pitcher. What Aaron Judge has done is very impressive. He broke the team record. He broke a club record for home runs. I'm very happy for him. Now that I'm, uh, now you've got me upset, as upset as Bears fans. The two things I didn't want to see on Twitter today were. Aaron Judge is the MVP, and the Bears are drafting a quarterback next season. I don't need to see any of that. I'm getting ready to delete the app, not the underdog app, but the Twitter app is the one I'm going to get rid of. All right. How about another question that won't get me as, as uh, oh, draft Dr. Phil, Atoshin. Uh, take it to the rank. I love this guy. He always sees the glass. Now, Adam, I, you know what? I know. I'm going to. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to make a date with our draft doctor Phil here in the near future. How would you grade our center, Sam Mustafer? I I don't want to be blocked by him on Twitter, so I'm gonna be judicious with my. No, I I think it's fair to say that there's been a little bit of an issue with Sam Mustafer at center, and again, maybe there's more nuance to it 
than I am giving it credit for, but I keep seeing them get beat time and time again to the point of like, I get this from some of our younger offensive linemen. If our young tackles are getting beat, there's some correctable mistakes. I get that. But if, if, if Mustafer can't handle it, I think it's time. You got to look at something because like any quarterback's going to fall under that pressure. And again, this goes back to something that Trent Dilfer was saying, like Tom Brady doesn't like when he gets pressured up the middle. Aaron Rodgers doesn't like it. It has to be a concern. How would you grade Sam Mustafer? And by the way, Carmen, are you blocked by him yet? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know if I follow him, actually. I check just to see. I'm like, I don't think I would well, be. Now I'm, now I'm curious. I don't I don't think I've ever said Sam Mustafer's name, like on Twitter. So, I never will. No, I'm not gonna. I'm well, not now gonna I'm gonna now I gotta I gotta go check. Okay, oh, Sam Mustafer the second. But I know a lot of people will say things. By I'm going to follow oh, him right now. There you go. I'm not. Don't. I'm not. I'm not blocked, so I can follow him. There it is. So that's I good news. I um, also. Before you, I'm sorry. I'm going to cut you no, off no. before you start. I just want to tell people: do not at these athletes. Like it is not appropriate. It is not like how would you like somebody going and critiquing your job in a public forum? Like because these are still human beings who might want to use Twitter to gather news. Maybe he wants to keep up to date with Notre Dame football or whether Aaron Judge hit his 60-second home run or not, whatever it is. He doesn't need to go in there and hear about how much people don't like him. So, And I go, you're, you can make your evaluations and everything, but like, don't at the player. That's just my little PSA. Sorry, Kevin. I mean, I, no, I, like, I agree with that too. Also, like, the biggest thing I think I need, I, I try to tell fans is like, there is a reason for everything. Like, yeah. even the things that go wrong, there is a reason that that went wrong. It's because so-and-so, you know, didn't make the play. So and like something broke down. Like there is a reason for anything. It is very, very, very rare that it's just because like a player sucks and doesn't care. <laughs> like that, that, that almost never happens. And like, I just, I, I hate it when like, you can talk about the play. You can talk about what you see. You can say that this didn't work. This didn't work. This didn't work. But like when you start attacking players and say personally, like, Oh, this guy sucks and he can't do this. And I was like, well, like there are reasons that this is all breaking down. And I think that like along those lines, Sam Mustafer, the interior of this bears line is being targeted. And mm -hmm. like, like everybody, because that's a, that's the quickest way to the quarterback. So like if any offensive line has weaknesses on the interior, defenses are going to try to exploit that every single time. And at this point in the game, yes, Sam Mustafer is seen kind of as a weakness. And so, and then like next to Tevin Jenkins, he's still getting used to that right guard spot. Let, like Cody Whitehair was the anchor there, but now you've got Lucas Patrick. And again, I will go, I, I don't want to go into the whole rant of everything, but like Lucas Patrick was taking snaps up until this point at right guard. He is now switching sides to left guard. And like now your muscle memory of like what foot was forward, what hand was dominant, everything like that. You are now working against that because you have to, now do it on the other side where the other hand is dominant. Your other foot is forward. Everything is mirrored. So like there is now there's like, there's a, there's a lot on that interior that's in flux. And I think that being said though, we're not talking about the tackles as much. We're certainly not talking about the left tackle that much. And that's a good thing. Like the fact right. that Maxon Jones is handling himself, like this is a fifth round rookie and he's at left tackle. And again, Justin Fields uses his legs. He gets out of the pocket. He can kind of, you know, fend for himself a little bit in the backfield. And there's been obviously a lot of times he's had to do that. Uh, but, you know, it's, even with the penalties and stuff, like he's incurred very few penalties. And so I think that that should be commended. Um, but yeah, I mean, this offensive line is being targeted by defenses. It's being exploited by defenses. And if there's question marks all along the line, then you're going to go towards the interior as much as possible because it's the quickest way to the quarterback. So um, I don't. It's 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 a tough task, and Sam Mustafer is obviously doing the best he can. But they're like, I mean, the stunts and everything that the like you see these defensive line lines pull, especially you know like in that Packers game. I was just watching it like over and over and over again, and I was just like, oh my god, like they know exactly oh. what they're doing, and like. Yeah, so I, I think he's been handed um, a really tough task and, uh, again, doesn't really have the chemistry. Like, he's got more chemistry with Justin Fields than Lucas Patrick does, like that center quarterback connection. Yeah. 
Um, but I don't know that he's advanced enough in his career to also be the one to like, like when you have a really like a developmental quarterback, you want to have a really established center because they're the ones that can make checks. They can call out certain things. They call out the mic point. They do all that kind of stuff. They can identify things for the quarterback. Um, and I don't know that Sam Musker is there yet either. So it's hard when you have like younger players working together, trying to make that work. Yeah. That's the one thing that I'm really trying to, you know, be as, be as fair when you're critiquing. And again, it's fair to, to point out that somebody is, you know, from our perception that it's not really working out that he's, you know, something is going wrong. But again, this is an, an offense that's been newly installed. They're trying to figure it out. We've seen the Rams, you know, the Rams are dealing with the same sort of issue. The Giants dealt with the same sort of issue for years. And it's not something that's going to be fixed in the first season. And I thought that the Bears have done a nice job over the last couple of years of finding guys who could potentially be the answer there on the offensive line. It's just going to take a little bit of development. And then that's the one that's, that's one of the things that I hate is like, and I, there's a couple of guys that I know who I have in mind specifically, cause I see this and they're, they're tweeting and they're like, I don't want to hear it's a process. I don't want it. Like, well, what, what do you want to hear? What do you want to hear then? Cause what do you think? What do you think the answer is? Yeah. Like, what is going to happen? Like the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals, went out there and brought in uh, Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa, and they're still giving up a ton of sacks because those guys haven't played together enough, and the chemistry is still not there. Well, and Joe, and Burrow, Joe Burrow will always take sacks because he holds on to the ball too long, and he is – that's the other thing, too. I want to make sure people understand. A lot of this is on the quarterback. A lot yeah. of it. Like sacks, you see guys that move from team to team, and they still take – the like like similar amounts of sacks each season even if they're on different teams and it's because of the fact a lot of it has to do with the quarterback i would venture to say more sacks are because of what the quarterback's doing than what the offensive line is doing i think that it's probably like a 60 40 split and that's a fair and you know and that's a fair criticism of justin fields too is that he does have a habit at times of not stepping up in the pocket of going too far back in the pocket because I know when the tackles give up sacks, and this is probably why we don't talk about Braxton Jones or anything, where I've seen like perhaps he's given up the sack. We're like, no, no, no. Justin needs to step up into that one. And you know what? That's going to be a problem for young quarterbacks sometimes. And it's fine. Like I was, you know, we were watching the game. We were down at Rip Beer Company in Huntington Beach, California, the PCH location. Ill Will came by. We've got Sean, Matt, Bill, uh, a bunch of Melissa was there. We had a bunch of people start like we were starting to like build a little thing. And I think that. In that group, we were having a good time of like, hey, like, okay, like, don't, don't take a sack, don't turn the ball over. There were some plays where he's like, ah, oh, throw it away, like, miss the throw. Like, okay, that's a, when you're a developing quarterback, which I think everybody is talking about, like, we're, we want to see Justin Fields develop. Like, what, what he wants, that's good. We need to see him do more things. Like, it's not necessarily throwing for 300 yards, it's a lot of like, can you step up in the pocket? Can you, because when the defenders, when your tackles are sending the guys, downfield you should be upfield and then they won't hurt you but again it's a learning curve and everybody wants us to be perfected they want him to be aaron Rodgers already i, I don't want to hear about the, you know like it's just a weird thing like yeah, people that's, that's just I, kind of been my whole i'm like how many times can i say like this isn't a good team right now and that's okay <laughs> like yeah it's okay like the thing is too and i think about my experience with the buccaneers i was with them for six years i was with them for some pretty bad like back-to-back -back 5 and 11 seasons struggling even they, when they brought bruce arians in his first season was seven and nine and then you bring in tom brady and then all of a sudden yeah you have success but like i want to be very clear about what that team was it was a stack team all across the board and they still went seven and nine with a quarterback that threw over 30 interceptions. Like yeah. this was a team that was built to win already. And then it was literally one player away. That's very, very rare that a team is actually one player away when they say they're one player away. They really were one player away. And they caught lightning in a bottle by getting the greatest quarterback of all time. And that's why you saw immediate success. It wasn't yeah. because it's usually, like that's not usually feasible. Like you need to give this time and you need to give, and I, and I don't think, I think the McCaskies understand that, which is great because yeah. they're not particularly trigger happy when it comes to firing coaches and GMs. 
almost probably to the detriment of like what a lot of Bears fans' opinions are of them. But that being said, like they are like these Eberflus, Brian Poles, they're going to have time to get this team together. And the outlook looks great. It just isn't great right now, but it's not realistic to expect that. And I just, I, again, I just thought we all had an understanding, guys. I thought we Probably. all had an understanding. Yeah. Like of anybody, like of, of, of the people who should be upset, it should be me who said they're going to win nine to 10 games. I should be the most critical because I was like, we should be winning. I understand what's going on, though. Like, I thought that we could have beaten the Giants. And honestly, that game's a lot closer than people. I mean, we were getting the ball back with an opportunity to score the football. Yeah, and then That's the special fine. teams yeah, you know. makes the rookie mistake. Even though he had caught, you know, he had fielded, know. what, three, four punts before that? A number of them, yeah. yeah it's, a big, it's, a, it's a big spot, the Meadowlands. It's, I'm not making excesses for him, but it's like, no. ah. But, but that's um, the thing. Yeah. It's like, we're not a Super Bowl team. Like, it's okay. Like, in a Bayless, I'm not, I know he's not watching, but it's like, I got you. Like, you're good. Like, well, I'm not even yeah. going to smoke like, that. Yeah, That's like, it was, it, was a, it was a rookie mistake at a not opportune time. But, like, yeah, I mean, that's going to happen. And it sucks that it happened at the end of the game. And maybe, like, you know, it could have happened earlier and it would have been fine. I know. Um, but, like, at the same time, yeah. Like, I'm like, that stuff's just going to happen. And I thought, again, you just need to be patient. Because next year looks great for the Bears as far as, like, on paper. Oh, yeah. But uh, let's uh, – I'm, I'm sure we have more questions. Sammy. Yeah. Because I got one that I want to ask. Why do the Bears' growing pains seem much longer than other teams in the NFL? Um, who are, who's turn, who are you talking about? The Lions? The Lions, the Lions have had growing pains? What about the Minnesota Vikings, who have Kirk Cousins, who've had Justin Jefferson, who've had loaded defenses for years? What have they won? Like, look at the 49ers. They haven't won a Super Bowl since Steve Young was their quarterback. The who Dallas Cowboys go? haven't been the to Dallas a <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? Long? 26 like, years, something like that. If we were doing this Dallas Cowboys thing, we would be talking about whether the Cowboys should be getting rid of Dak Prescott in favor of, of, Cooper, of Cooper Rush. Rush. Oh, God, don't start. Like, like, don't fool yourselves. There's every team is, unless you've been a fan of the Patriots, you must have thought that your team is, like, what if you're a Bills fan? Like, ah, oh, you've had Josh Allen. You lost in the playoffs last year. I mean, there's very few teams that are like, crushing it look at the Raiders right now one and three with Josh the Raiders went from a 10 win playoff team to very narrowly getting their first win of the, well I guess they were okay they, they kind of handled Denver but like they're one and three like that's not an instant turnaround you could look at the Dolphins and say like well the Dolphins have been able to turn it around that was a team that was already in the in its process Tua Tungabayaloa already a couple of years into his uh NFL quarterback career but look at the Browns. Look at the Browns. I mean, like, I, why do we have to do this? Like, why? What do you mean? Like, I yeah, no. And the clock resets every time you get a new coach and a GM. I'm sorry. Like, I know that, like, yeah, if you're talking about growing pains, the clock is reset to this offseason. Like, we are four games into this thing. Sorry. Like, I know it didn't yeah. go well the last couple of years either, but that's not on Matt Eberflus. That's not on Ryan Poles. So you're, like, the growing – we're – if, if you know if it gets two three years down the line especially with you know the cap space the, the bears are about to have and the draft capital and all that other stuff that they're about to have next year if it still takes two to three more years after that then we can start talking about more like how why these growing pains are happening or you know taking so long but right now four games and again it is not realistic to expect super bowl success in the first year of a new regime or a new like major change to a team again yeah. the only reason the bucks were able to do it is because it was a very, very specific, very rare situation. Yeah. I mean, and, and the Chargers have Justin Herbert, and they're two and two. They have the same record as the Bears right now. 15 so teams I'm, have the same record as the Bears right now. The Rams and 49ers have the same record. The entire NFC West has the t is two and two right now. Everybody, like we're two and, and honestly, this Bears team could be three and one. And would have, like, realistically, could have won that if they would have been able to figure out the bootleg plays, they would be three and one like right now. And it would be, like that, honestly, that is what that is the one thing of why I was so optimistic coming into this season is that I didn't think that things like we saw with Daniel Jones was going to happen. I thought that we would have handled, but you know, S happens. You know what? Uh, by the way, Jalen Johnson is also out. 
we're, we're missing a couple other guys in the linebacking core, which is going to make us vulnerable to the run. And speaking of the defense, since nobody, I'm sure somebody's asking it. I won't make you go and look for it. Kyler Gordon. What is your impression of Kyler Gordon? I have some, I have some viewpoints on Kyler Gordon. How do you think he's doing so far? He looks like a rookie. He does. And that's, I mean, again, that's to be expected. He, what he talk about someone who's had a lot put on his plate. Uh, he, him having to go into that nickel spot, you know, kind of rotate in outside corner and, you know, all that other stuff. Like it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot for him. And they really don't have a lot of choices when it comes to who they're going to play at nickel. And for the offenses that they're facing that you face in this league, I mean, teams spend more time in their sub packages, their, those nickel packages, than they do in their base packages. So, like, you need that guy, and yeah. they need him, and so they're they have to play him, and he's taking all of his lumps right now. I know that his stat line looked decent uh, after this yeah. game, but there was a uh, DPI that negated one of the th- like he got beat a couple of times, and those things were negated. So, like, he looks like a rookie. Uh, and I also think that it's probably not helping that like Jaquan Brisker doesn't. So like you have both of these guys coming in, yeah, although again, they true. play very different positions. They might be all both part of the secondary, but they're very different positions. Um, but I think that, yeah, like he's being held to the standard that Jaquan Brisker is setting and Jaquan Brisker is not your typical average rookie at this point. He looks like he's been in the league for 10 years, not even playing, five years because he looks fresh. <laughs> playing very well. And it's funny because everybody, is already putting George Pickens into the Hall of Fame. Like he's he's apparently the next, I was going to say Antonio Brown. Well, actually, that might end up being a perfect example years to come. But everybody's like, oh, well, George Pickens, because he made one highlight play, and Kenny Pickett came in and targeted him a few more times. I was going to say, Kenny replaced. Pickett is really – Kenny Pickett's the, the, the conductor of the George Pickens train. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what happens this week, but everybody's like, oh, we could have had, I'm like, okay, I understand that, but I'm like, like Gordon was targeted, what, three, like officially three times, one, one completion, like you said, a couple of de- uh, defensive pass interferences, but at the same time, like rookies are going to make those mistakes. And yeah, when Jalen yeah. Johnson's able to play, it's going to be a little bit different. And yeah. So- you got, yeah. You got Jalen Jones right on the other side and like, you know, Kendall, actually, so Kendall Vildor has looked pretty yeah, good, pretty good yeah, honestly. Pretty good. Yeah, I'm like I'm real impressed, and he's I mean he's taken he's he's gotten a few, but like that's gonna happen as a corner, like it just is. You're gonna get beat. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, but I think that he's made some, especially like some downhill plays, some some pass breakups, stuff like that. He's some of those more like anticipatory plays where he's making plays on the ball, stuff like that. Eddie Jackson's playing fantastic. Um, so I, yeah, like you get Jalen Johnson back, who is a shutdown corner. Uh, that's gonna really really change things, and yeah. So, yeah, and, and then nobody wants to talk about the plays that he does make. And I go back to two weeks ago. He had that crucial play against the Houston Texans. And so if you're going to highlight his mistakes, then take an opportunity to show all of his instinctual plays that he's made. I just think it's going to – he was injured during training camp. Like, everybody chill out. Like, everybody's like, well, why is he even playing? It's like, well, because obviously he's impressing the coaches. And he's he athletic. Is, you have to. Like I think he's probably play. the only one that's gonna that's gonna be able to do that, um, it, both cerebrally and with his skill set. Like he's very very like physically gifted, and yeah. he's very athletic. And his athleticism is just off the charts. And when you combine that with how smart he is, and with the defense that he ran at Washington, like that's a very pro ready defense too. Yeah. I know the Bucks uh, coaching coaching staff and personnel staff were very close with the Washington staff uh, for a lot of reasons. And they've gotten a lot of good players out of there. So uh, I have no doubt that he'll be okay. It's just, he's being thrust into a very hard position right now. And he is just going to take all of his mistakes right now. And then I think that that will lend itself for him being a really good player later on. Yeah. We'll laugh about this in a couple of years that everybody was freaking out during his first four games. And now look at him as he's a perennial pro bowler. All right. How about another question, Sammy? Who is best suited to take over at left guard once Patrick moves to center? Ooh, what do you think? I don't know. Like, this is the thing, though. I'm scared that that's not even a given anymore. I don't know that Patrick moving to center is a given. 
Yeah. Um, from what we've heard from this coaching staff. And I get it. Like you're obviously waiting for his snapping hand to be full force before you put him in at center. You're keeping him in game shape with that rotation. But I think that's to the detriment of Tevin Jenkins at that, at that right guard spot. Now that you have Cody Whitehair out, I mean, so the thing is, like Lucas Patrick started as a guard. He was yeah. oh, he was moved to center um, and out of necessity. And so I I don't know. Uh, Sam Mustaver at this point, for as much as we think that he might be struggling a little bit, like he is the one that snapped the most to Justin Fields. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I because like then would you put Sam Mustaver at guard? Usually those guys that can play center. If you can play center, you can play guard most of the time, just because of the fact that like. You know, you're not ha- like you've got a lot actually taken off your plate and you're still playing in that interior, those interior spots. Uh, it's Again, it still takes a little getting used to. Now you're on the left side, um, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know off the top of my head where Sam has played throughout his career, if he's played on the right, left side, wherever, wherever he's played. Um, but yeah, I don't. I'm scared. I want Lucas Patrick at center. Don't get me wrong. Like, I want Lucas yeah. Patrick. Center. Everybody wants that. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know that it's a given now. Oh my gosh. If he just wouldn't have broken his hand, who knows how much of this could have been changed? Who knows where, where history could have led us, but unfortunately uh, we're going through it right now. We're in our, this would have been the first time we saw Sam. Well, maybe who knows, but uh, in any event, what about another, one more question, Sammy? Let's uh, are we surprised at Mooney's lack of production so far? Tony, uh, I'll lead off with this one. I'll say yes. yes. I mean, yes. I mean, honestly, like I thought they would be a little bit more productive, find more creative ways to get him the football. I didn't like the the talk when everybody was talking about how he is a, a, a number three wide receiver. And I saw Dan Orlovsky taking his victory laps. Like we were right. I'm like, sort of, but I, I still think that Darnell Mooney's a good receiver in this league. And I don't think that it, I, I think that there's just, you know, a learning curve in this offense and guys like, and again, I, I'll continue to point to the Denver Broncos, where we've seen we've seen flashes from Darnell or from uh, uh, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and those guys in Denver. As Russell Wilson, a potential Hall of Famer, is getting accustomed to his offense of, of running the same offense, uh, and it's not looked great for everybody there either. So, at the end of the season, I think we'll see some production. He might not get a thousand yards this year, but I am surprised but I'm not ready to close the door on him altogether. I'm not surprised, quite honestly. Like, he, first of all, he's getting open. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of times that Fields, uh, again, th- that third quarter play where he's, you know, you can see him kind of streaking in and he was supposed to, I guess, go even further over, but Justin didn't see him. And again, he like, he took the, he took it in himself for the first down rather than throwing it deep for Mooney. And that would have been a guaranteed touchdown. But anyway, I digress. He is the only one to pay attention to. Not only, like, we can have the debate if he's a number one receiver, number two receiver, all we want. The fact of the matter is, he doesn't have another receiver to even have that debate with at this point right now. <laughs> like, we don't know. Like, we like they've, they've had these injuries. I, maybe Nikhil Harry can come back soon. I mean, he's been on, you know, I, they put him on IR. We don't know how he's progressing from that ankle injury. He's eligible, uh, but we don't know how he is until right. we see the injury report on Wednesday. He's eligible to come off IR, but yes, this this week will tell us if he started practicing that this that the other. Um, but like, we don't have like a one-two punch, like a clear one-two punch. You've got Byron Pringle, you've got Equinamius St. Brown, um, Bayless Jones, but like, tell me which of those guys you know for certain is the number two receiver if Darnell Mooney is the number one. Yeah, like. You just I, Mooney just needs someone up to his level at the very least, and then like, and then we can have that discussion on if he's better as a one or a two. But as of right now, like teams can pay all the attention in the world to him, and that's what they're doing. And again, he is still getting open. But then also, you have to consider the sample size. The Bears just haven't passed a lot. Yeah. Um. And and when all when you consider all of that, I'm just I'm not surprised he's not having the production right now after now seeing how this offense is operating. It's a run first offense, which is fine. Um, but at the same time, like that might be to the detriment of developing Justin Fields, developing this passing game, getting these receivers up to speed, all of that kind of stuff. And, um, I brought it up before. It's like, you kind of have to make the decision. Are you going to emphasize winning games? Or are you going to emphasize developing your quarterback, your offense, all that kind of stuff. And maybe a lower pressure situation. It goes against every fiber of a coach's being 
to not try their hardest to not, and I'm not saying that win a game, like not try to win a game, but like right. to prioritize developing players over maybe what, you know, like, again, this run game is, has been outstanding, but like, we know the run game's outstanding. Now we need to figure out everything else about the offense and to not prioritize actually winning the game is it's, it's hard to tell a coach. And I don't know any coaches that have ever done it. But yeah. that's why that's why this season was always going to be like this. It was always going to be disjointed because you're trying to develop a quarterback, install a new system while you have very young pieces and not a lot of stuff you know around him because you're looking forward to more having more capital and having more cap space in the next year. But like it, it's just all of these things kind of working together and and, and butting against each other. It's like what what are those? Uh, I, I'm not a science person, but it's like the the neurons and stuff that like the don't molecules. go together. the molecules, yeah. the neurons, like all the things that don't go together. They like there's like a the, the ions that have a yeah, positive and a negative. Like all of the negative things are bouncing off of each other right now. They're not sticking and they're not clicking and they're not doing all that kind of stuff. But I mean, yeah, that's my long rant. What are your realistic expectations for the Minnesota Vikings this week, and what's going to go on in that game? Well, it's interesting. The NFL is kind of conducting some sort of experiment. I don't know why, um, because they're not giving uh, the Vikings and the Saints bye weeks after being in London. And like they're not doing that for the Packers and the Giants either after like, you know, for this coming week. So um, that's going to be very interesting. And I will see how much that, you know, that travel kind of plays into it. But I mean, this Minnesota offense especially has all of the potential in the world and I think you saw it kind of come to life a little bit more against a really good Saints defense uh, last week in London. So, I mean, it's going to be – you're going to have to contend with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen running all over the place. I know that they've been trying to get Dalvin Cook going a lot more um, and balancing out that offense a little bit. But, again, like, to be fair, this is, this is again, a Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan tree coach, yeah. coached offense. So, like – there are people on the Bears staff that should be very familiar with, you know, like essentially this Bears defense in training camp went against this offense every time they went against their own offense. So uh, this is what it looks like when it works. So. Yeah. Well, Kirk Cousins has also been in this offense since he entered the NFL, landing there in Washington when Mike Shanahan was the coach. This yeah. is what he started to learn. This is what he's always learned. He's never had to learn a new system. And even for him, it's a little bit difficult for him at times to make the big plays, but you know what? I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm leaning into the, they're traveling back from London. They're coming off a big win and they might be not complacent, but we see it in the NFL. It's, it's difficult to maintain that level of success week after week. So I'm hopeful uh, that the bears will take a little bit of advantage there, take the opportunity to go and kind of put it on them. And I hope too, you know, like, there were times, again, talking about the loaf with the fumble with Justin Fields that nobody recovered, some of the mental mistakes that they made. I want to see the Bears starting to clean that up. I think that's a big yeah. thing for me. And for I think sure. that, you know, and if they want to lean into the run, and again, they're trying to win a game, very winnable game against the Giants last week. So I understand what they were doing. Were they a little bit more conservative? Sure. Because, you know, when they played conservatively against the Texans, it did, it did lead to a win. You yeah. know, so like you get rewarded for it. You're going to continue to do it. And I think if they, again, if they could have just made a couple of plays against uh, Daniel Jones, which I can't believe that I'm saying, then things could have been a lot different. So I'll go out there. I'll pick the Bears to win like I always do because I'm not going to take that heat. But I think that this is not – I think this is a, a winnable type of situation. And they I, The Minnesota pass rush also has left something to be desired through the first four weeks. Uh, and I think that that is going to be a huge emphasis this game. And that's what I want to see is that, and people talk about like, we're not seeing improvement. We're not seeing development. And again, I'm like, well, they had four scoring drives that you want to see them start to finish those off. And if David Montgomery is there, I don't know if that makes a difference, but yeah, Justin's got to be better in the red zone. That's just part of his development. Like, isn't that what you're talking about though? Like not you, but like them, like we want to see Justin Fields develop. Like, okay, well let's, he's gotten to the point where he's consistently driving the ball down the field. Like people are acting like, oh, it's it's hard to believe that this is a worse offense than Matt Nagy's offense. I'm like, what are you watching? Like Matt Nagy, we went too many three and outs, like all the time. So many three and outs. At least they're putting together scoring drives now. 
So I, I don't know. I want to see them start to convert those. And I would like to see more touchdowns. I think that's fair, but to act like this is a three and out offense. Ah, that's laughable. But what are you smiling about? Uh, that I'm going to have to take. So I've, I've bet against the bears uh, every week and it's worked out twice. All so right. Far. You so do your I'm thing. Gonna, like, I don't, I don't want you to change. Don't gonna, switch I'm up for me. I, I'm taking the heat. I'm, I'm continuing to, I think even though uh, they're going to be tired, I think yeah. they're at home. So it's, it's one of those things that. All right. I don't know. Well, I, listen, think, I think you, the Vikings are still going to take it. All right. Well, you do Sorry, your guys. thing. No, no, no. Take the Vikings. And you can find her at Carmen Carmen V. Wait, fly up the Twitter handle so they can come harangue her. Carmen V, go get her. Sorry, guys. Get her. There it is. There it is. Uh, go get her. But listen, I want to thank you for being here once again. Uh, we appreciate it. Do you have any closing remarks, any closing words? Words of wisdom for the fans out there? Mm, I mean, no. again, no. I just, I just, I don't, I don't know how many times I can say it. Like, it's a process. just be patient, guys. Just be patient. Just be patient. You know what? Go out there, enjoy the games. Enjoy your family that you're watching the games with. Enjoy your friends, whatever you're doing. And by the way, if you're in the Southern California area, Rip Beer Company on Huntington Beach, in Huntington Beach on the PCH location. I'm not going to be there for the full game. I got a, uh, I got a kid. Who schedules a kid's birthday party for a Sunday? But in any event, I got to go out there and do the, 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 the dad duty. Got a DLI party. A lot of stuff going on. So uh, I will be down there for a little bit. I'll be doing a pregame kickoff uh, from Rip Beer Company. So at least come down and watch for a little bit, and we'll see you there. Next time you're in California, we'll have to have you down there as well. So until so until next week, we'll see you. We'll be back to you. Uh, we'll be back Thursday. Uh, we're going to have a great show for you as we preview the Week 5 game against the Minnesota Vikings, the one that Carmen's picking the Vikings to win. But until that time, bear down. And uh, we'll see you soon. Sammy, go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura.